All right, we're here. Welcome to another episode of Versus Mike History. I'm your host, Michael History. Today, we have a special guest in the building, um, author, poet, and um, frat brother of mine. How about you go ahead and introduce yourself? How y'all doing? My name is Laquan Ford. Um, my stage name or pen name is uh, Q Sadiq. Um, I write poetry. I'm a creative artist. I curate various creative experiences for people, but mainly I just released my first book. So this is the first time I published a book uh, entitled Bandages of Cologne. And yeah, I share my, my talents. <laughs> All right. Um, welcome to the show, first and foremost. I'm happy to have you here. Um, so one of the first things that I want to know is what inspired you to write poetry at all? Um, so I got in poetry kind of not knowing about it, really. Of course, like music, you know, we know now is poetry, but right. uh, I got into poetry because realistically it was, it was a way for me to hide behind my emotions because mm-hmm. I can disguise the fact that, well, two things, I didn't know proper grammar because of the way I was coming up and also because I didn't want, I didn't know how to define my emotions. So it was easier for me to use poetry to sort of like mask that and hide all those things that I really wanted to say, but didn't want to say. So I was able to put it into like some sort of cold, but poetically. So that's why I got into poetry. Okay. And um, around what time did all of that start to happen? All of that happened uh, in 2000, well, it was my 15th birthday, so that's 2005. Um, that's, when, that's when it happened. Mm-hmm. Uh, someone bought me a book for my birthday and just told me to write. Uh, she wasn't a member of my family, but she knew about things that I was experiencing. Um, so she bought me the book and just told me to like use it as an outlet. What book was it? It was a, a notebook. Oh, okay. From uh, Dollar Tree. It was like, seriously. Uh-huh. It was like this little sky blue notebook with this white boy in the front of it. Mm-hmm. Um, and it was different quotes in front of it. But one quote I remember, it was like, just write. Right. Um, was there anything, were there any other outlets that you like used before poetry to like kind of express yourself or anything like that? Not really. But when I want to think about, when I think about where I am now or, or the things I've done while in college, I sort of think about my involvement in our little street gang organization mm-hmm. that we had mm-hmm. um, and where I sort of created that um, with the name and what we were going to do right. and sort of like, you know, the ground rules um, because I never really wanted to participate in like the gang life because that was the story of my father and my brothers and never was like appealing to me. Mm-hmm. Um, but I also knew that we needed to make money. My cousins and the friends and I were on our block and there was, there was a village not too far from us who were kind of like, taken out like our sales or my boys sales because I didn't really you know understand that market like that so I I didn't make the best sales right but uh, I convinced I convinced them that we needed to create this like group it was called LMS Littleton Murder Squad (laughs) Uh, and and the funny thing is it became a subset of what is a a blood set in that area um, which I'm not proud of at all that's not a legacy I would want to leave behind but Mm -hmm. that's where I first got into like creating right Um, it was through that realm okay um Okay, so, oh, well, I don't really want to put you on blast, but you work in the educational field, mm-hmm. right? Um, would you say that your work with children uh, influences your work, your poetry at all, in terms of, like, um, you know, just speaking to students and, like, you know, hearing their stories and, you know, going, taking, going back to those moments in your own personal life? 
Uh, yeah, no. I, I wish I was able. I wish I was in a position where I can be more real. Mm-hmm. Um, I think I can, but you know, I'm not that person professionally to push those boundaries because, of course, I need that safety net. Right. Because um, you know, I have much to fall back on. So, in my job itself, yes, I talk about things where, as far as kids pushing themselves, because mm-hmm. I know what it's like to feel like you know you can't or or to come to that roadblock where it's like I'm not good enough. So I push. I, I know how to push kids past that. So, yeah and no. Um, I wish I was able to do more. I wish I was able to like, really say what I want to say mm-hmm. um, because I feel like those are, those are the moments where people benefit the most. And those are the moments like, where I benefit the most when people, teachers, counselors, whoever, mm-hmm. took those risks and telling me like, what I really need to hear. I'm not at that point yet where I can just like, do that for kids. Right. And, um, okay. At least in my job. Right, right. In the position. No, I understand. Um, when you write poetry, uh, well, when, when it comes to your poetry in general, um, does it take more vulnerability to write it or to perform it? It takes more vulnerability to perform it. Okay. Um, Speak on that a little when, bit. When writing, um, you know, yeah, well, at least I write with a vulnerable pen. Mm-hmm. That's when I write, I don't worry about what people are going to think about, you know, because right. I don't know if they're going to read it. I don't know if they're ever going to see it. Um, my book itself, like that was a diary almost. Like mm-hmm. that was something that was sacred to me. Right. Um, so when I write, I'm vulnerable mm-hmm. already. But when I, when it comes to like orating, like that, those thoughts and those feelings and those connections and you know the poeticness, it, it's scary because mm-hmm. you don't one, you don't know if people are going to understand it, um, especially with some of my shoes where I feel like I don't have the best grammar or know how to, you know, articulate what I really feel. And, and you know, in my head, I'm, I use poetry to sort of disguise that. But when you're getting in front of people, trying to explain what you're emotionally feeling to a a situation that's sort of popular mm-hmm. amongst your audience is, is sometimes it's like you're worried. I'll, at least I was worried about, you know, are people going to like not understand it? And then two, are they going to push back on like what I believe, you know, uh, my perspective was from that experience. You know, some people may say like, uh, from the way I write people, some people may say like, uh, like uh, I'm selfish mm-hmm. uh, in my approach to my situation. Or some people may say like I was needy. You know, right. um, so it's, you have to, it takes confidence really. Mm-hmm. Like when you know you're, I want to expound on that a little bit. So like when you perform, um, like what is a crowd, what does the crowd's reaction do to you? And more specifically, um, speak on some times where the crowd reacted in a way that like helped you and, and um, pushed you further, or they reacted in a way that kind of like deterred you a little bit. Uh, I, I learned a lot, actually. Um, I mean, that's a really good question, but the one thing that is in my mind, I learned a lot from, like, crowd's reaction. Mm-hmm. Um, when I say things about, like, you know, I have a poem about my mother being raped. Right. To me, that's that's as, that's just as, like, talking about, you know, your, your lunch card being stolen. That's yeah. that's how I feel as far as that. That's a level for me. Mm-hmm. It's like, it's that, it's that simple. Mm-hmm. But when I, you know, talk about it in the poetry, you know, people think it's deeper than what it is. People are really affected by it. So I have to kind of, I have, I have to sort of, my emotional affect when I'm performing has to be a bit toned down. Right. Because I really don't feel, you know, any type of remorse, mm-hmm. you know, toward, you know, my parents or, or anything they really did. Like, I forgive them, but I don't feel any type of remorse when I'm performing those poems because I'm performing it in the language in which I wrote it. Okay. So I'm able... So to, to sort of answer your question, I'm able to like differentiate between when I was being real mm-hmm. and when I wanted to perform. Right. So, um, how do you think that your childhood like in influences your poetry in terms of like how you write it, 
how you perform it, and um, how people receive it? Um, well, I can't really control how people really receive mm -hmm. it, but as far as like writing, um, I, I don't change the core of my writing. Right. If I feel you know, a certain way about something that happened to me in my childhood, I have to be honest because I think that's when the best poetry, that's when the best, yeah, I guess, um, response comes out. That's when I remember the best moments that are like, mm -hmm. you know, I'm right. I got poems about, you know, my parents smoking coke, but it's, yeah. it's hidden behind the fact that, you know, the title of the poem is a burning spoon. Right. You know, I can hide behind that. You know, not everybody know that a burning spoon is like, you know, synonymous with like doing, you know, crack cocaine. Mm -hmm. uh, not a lot of people, not a lot of people know that, but it, it, it's, it's a way for me to like sort of, um, expound on like the creativity behind like pain because mm -hmm. some people use it in a way it's like buy into me and some people use it in a way it was like you know pay attention to like how i use it right you know type of thing not like a it's not a teaching attention sinking it's more like a, i want you to learn from how i can make these connections and that's how i want to live or at least lead with my art it's like i want you to understand the connection not so much i want you to pay attention to me because i'm past that already mm -hmm. so that's how i use my childhood um experiences to sort of like influence the way I write and when it comes to like the actual style of writing um, it changes because sometimes I want to do what people expect me to do like mm -hmm. the, the the real like grammatical structure of mm -hmm. the English English written language but I also don't want to change Two, my actual three, four, language yeah five, I don't want to change seven. I don't want to change my, <laughs> my, my, my voice yeah because that's that, that's where I feel I lose most of the story mm -hmm. is when I'm trying to like do what people expect me to do yeah. but it's, it's really it's really difficult honestly it's, so I kind of understand Kendrick and that approach where he sort of writes for people. Word. What people expect from him to say. Um, okay. So the book is out. Yes. It's entitled Bandages in Cologne. Um, I want you to speak on how you came up with the title. All right. So I came up, so that's my Tumblr handle. Mm -hmm. uh, I came up with, I had a Tumblr 2011, I wrote. Um, and Tumblr was a, may, a way for me, or at least a platform for me to really be myself with no real judgment. I can say what I want mm -hmm. without people saying that was harsh or I can be who I want without people knowing, you know, the side of me that I didn't want them to know at that time. Um, and it was practice for me. It was a world that people still supported you and loved you mm -hmm. as if they knew you outside of virtual uh, mm -hmm. life. People still, people still supported you on Tumblr, but it still wasn't real enough, but it felt like, all right, they're okay with what I just said, right? because you're not used to saying it in public. So this mm -hmm. is okay right now. Um, and I went further than that. So I named my, my, my Tumblr that because it was a way, I'm like, no way people are going to find right. my Tumblr. <laughs> and, and it made sense to me at that time, bandages and cologne. But mm -hmm. so with a bandage, uh, we use a bandage to, you know, cover a wound, to heal, to help it in this healing process, you know, until it gets to the point where you don't need it anymore. And cologne, some of us use cologne or perfume to sort of like enhance our natural scent. Um, to not, you know, walk out as is. Mm -hmm. um, and it's not an issue, but I feel like, it, like when it applied to my life figuratively, um, it was a way for me to say, I don't need to like worry so much about my story anymore, like the pain and the hurt. It's time for me to take that bandage off and live in this new decade in my life. And when it came to the cologne side of things, it's like not to just live, but live my true self. Right. Not worrying about what people are going to say about me, not worrying about feeling like I don't fit in, not worrying about feeling like, I can't define who I am in front of people or that I need to define who I am in front of people because, you know, I'm still learning myself. I just got tired of wearing masks. So, you know, I take the bandage off, you know, I don't, I go without the cologne and I'm just my natural self. And that's the, in these last two days, that's just been the best way for me to be myself. I never felt this much joy or happiness before. That's excellent. Um, 
Okay, so you you mentioned that it took a while for you to put this book together, right? Yes. Um, speak on the the beginning process of of putting this book together and um, kind of the tail end, because I know the tail end has to do with you putting the tour together and uh, you actually publishing and the rollout for everything. But I feel like in the beginning, all you really had to do was focus on your words. And um, I kind of want to get a contrast of like how um, the process has evolved over time. All right. So initially when I, so originally I was going to put out an autobiography, mm-hmm. right? And but I thought at at this time in my life I wasn't where I would want to be. You know, when I like autobiographies, those people that inspire, inspire me, I feel like right. I'm not at that place yet. So I said, why don't I try to learn the publishing process by putting out my poetry first? Mm. Without realizing that my my poetry was more revealing than my biography would ever be because these yeah. are honest feelings. These are things I wrote after feeling what I felt. Mm-hmm. You know, so. I still challenge myself. I push myself. It's like, you know, I, I, fi- I finally understood why it was more important for me to be myself than to be anyone else. So when it came to my writing, when it came to my, like, my talents, I started like noticing how good I was or at least trying to notice how good I was so that mm-hmm. I can like establish a brand for me, not right. for public. You know, I wanted to establish a brand within myself. So when I started rereading my poetry, you know, I was able to comfortably say like, you know what, like I don't like that part. Or I really love that. And it got to a point when in 2013, I reread everything and I said, like, actually, I enjoy my poetry. I mm-hmm. enjoy what I write. I enjoy the way I think. And so I believed in me. So those next two years or and then even years beyond, you know, I started changing the way, you know, my writing style was not not mm-hmm. so much my voice, but my writing style, meaning my connections, like expounding on it, learning new methods mm-hmm. on, you know, how to connect, you know, our experiences to nature and, and, and other things beyond. But more so how to make our story stay the same without changing, you know, the hood lingo. You yeah. know, I wanted to keep that, that rawness in there, that, that, you know, the first language I learned, which is what mm-hmm. people call Ebonics. Like, I wanted <laughs> to keep that in it because it's still, I, I feel my thoughts on, you know, the English language is like, as long as people are able to understand your communication and what you're trying to communicate to them, you're doing okay. Right. And, and, and that's what made me comfortable with what I was writing. And that's where I got to the end of my writing process where I was like, I'm just going to put this out there. Mm-hmm. You know, you know, not only I'm not afraid anymore about the actual content, but I'm not afraid about how I wrote it. You know, if it's something wrong, it's just wrong. It's just going to be the, the wrong way for me to use right. a word it's just going to be that i had i had an editor but my editor wanted to change my voice okay and i wasn't with that um so i did without him and just put my book out because i believed in you know the stories i told he wanted to change your voice yeah. speak on that a little bit he, he he kind of wanted so i had a i remember i had a line in a poem it was just like uh, i was talking about an ex of mine and i was just like you know you replace the the hurt my parents written on my existence and mm-hmm. he was like that doesn't make any sense like you said, that line doesn't make any sense. And I'm like, to you, it doesn't make any sense. For me, it means, you know, I was once hurting because of my parents. And then when I met you, this other person, you know, the, the other object, you started making me hurt. So I didn't even think about my parents. That makes a lot of sense to me. How could he tell you that it doesn't make any sense? Also because he's white. But <laughs> <laughs> that, isn't, that, isn't, that doesn't even make sense to me because, like, if you felt it, then how could it not make sense? Right. It's just, it's invalidated. If you knew the objects and the subjects that I was talking about, I feel yeah, that's you got it. So I, I just think it wasn't his choice of mm-hmm. words and, and the way I phrased it. But for me, that's what I would have said if 
if someone put me on the spot, that's just, those exact words I would have said. Right. So I just have to be confident in my voice, and that's by the end of my by the end of this book. I actually finished this book January, I mean uh, December thirtieth, mm-hmm. two thousand nineteen. Okay. Because I changed my um my um the preface is like I had a line in there was like, you know this woman who bought me who bought me my poetry book my first mm-hmm. book and when she told me to write and I remember telling her I wrote my first like three poems I remember telling her I want to be a poet mm-hmm. you know I had found this poem by Lakes to Hughes and I just was like all right there's another black person that wrote poetry right and I think he's famous you know it was Black History Month so I'm like all right <laughs> I can probably do something similar and when I came to her I was excited and I told her and she was just like that's not realistic and that's where I started like numbing what I really wanted and doing what other people wanted me to do mm-hmm. and. That's what took me along with this book. Honestly, it's just people don't expect Laquan to put out right. a poetry book, <laughs> you know, unless you really knew me and like, you know, yeah, you, you know, um, that's really that's really interesting, you know, because it it takes a lot to find a new way of expressing yourself. One and two, um, it's important that when you get comfortable in that space of creation that you can bring it to somebody else and that they can validate those emotions and that process. Right. Um, so you're, you're going on tour with the book. Um, has it started yet? Has the tour started yet? It, it kind of started before my book launch. Right. I had to, my first show was actually Nork, but because it's poetry, it's kind of like, it's not tour in the sense of like, mm-hmm. I'm that feature. I'm only a feature artist when I go to Chicago in April. Every other every other uh, city I'm going to is more like an open mic. I'm going right. to an open mic where people know me. Um, and that's a good start for me. Um, but no, it's I mean, a tour. I'm going to call it what it is. It's a tour. I'm going to these places. I mean, I would, you know? I would consider it a tour too, right. honestly, because... Um, you know, if it's a lo- if if you're performing at a location and you can get people up, then right. it's a tour. It's like. a tour. <laughs> um, speak on the 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 beginning process of the tour, though, and like uh, even even the book launch. Um, I, when I was there, uh, all the lights were off, so um, I wasn't able to see the rest of the crowd's reaction, and I wasn't sure if you were able to see the crowd's reaction uh, at all. I wasn't. Um, but I wanted to know if that like was intentional, if that like helps you, if that helped the process get along, um, move along, or if that was like kind of hindering. For me, uh, it was kind of twofold. It was like, it, it was, a, it was, it helped my creative, or at least creatively what I, I wanted in the audience, what, mm-hmm. what my, I wanted to have a, a different experience. You know, if you go to the movies, it's pitch black, you know, dark, so you only focus on the screen right. or if you pull out your phone. That's the same thing I wanted for the audience. It's like I wanted to give them a reason to believe like this ten dollars was worth it. Right. You know, that this person is really creative, you know, outside of even writing. That's why, you know, when I, you know, initially with the opening act was a silhouette. Mm-hmm. You know, that's why originally it was dark because like, you needed to see the actual dance um, and not so much me. But I also made sure it was dark again at the end of it because I knew that there was a potential for me to read, you know, my last poem that I read. Mm-hmm. And it. I was going back and forth for whether or not I was going to do it. Originally, I wasn't. Right. Even like minutes before the show, I was like, "Yeah, I'm just not going to do it." But then something came over me where I just like I felt like I, I needed to do it. Yeah. Like I needed to read that last poem, that last page of that book because it's, it was worth it. You know, mm-hmm. these couple hours prior, it's just like yeah. I would never trade these shits back. You know, so I think like perform like performance wise, it. I chose that. That was purposeful. I wanted it to be dark. 
Um, but I also wanted to see the crowd reaction and I wasn't able to see the crowd's reaction. And supposedly, you know, there were people that st stood up and I never saw that, you know, after I read, you know, the last book, I mean, the last poem. And there were people in the audience that I just met. They were from my brother, for example. I had just mm -hmm. met my younger brother um, that night. Um, and he, he got to meet me the real way. Right. And I was actually proud of that, you know, versus, you know, people having their opinions. I, I just really yeah. didn't care. Okay. Um, how do you seek people to react to your work? I try not to, to worry about it. Mm -hmm. um, I try to just accept whatever their mm -hmm. feelings may be because, again, like they're, they're the reader. They're who I'm trying to like market this to. Mm -hmm. um, I'm not trying to make them conform to how I feel or to conform to what I believe in or even to conform to you know, who I am. I'm more so just asking them to understand the experience and maybe that can help someone else in their life. Maybe mm -hmm. that book can get into someone else's hands. Um, I'm, not, I'm not too concerned about anything outside of that. Okay. Um, okay, so the future of Q Sadiq or the Quan Ford as an author, uh, are there more poetry books coming? Uh, is this, was this like a one-off thing where it's like, all right, I just got to get this off? I don't want to say no. Mm -hmm. uh, initially, I did want to say no. That like that's like I mean, I want to say yeah. Like actually, that's the last poetry book. But I I I, am, I don't even feel like this is actually a poetry book. Mm -hmm. I feel like it's just a po a poetic narrative. Mm -hmm. Like of my experiences, I don't feel like I put out a poetry book itself. Although you know it's life of poetry, but I feel like I put up more of a narrative, like the Harlem Renaissance, where like their poems were like actual letters mm -hmm. and and, right. and like stories. It wasn't something that was like a, you know, like Ruby. I love Ruby core, but it wasn't something that was like line by line or it wasn't like a, a haiku. It wasn't something that was like structure. It was more of an, an experience that mm -hmm. you use poetry to sort of, you know, alliterate better, um, to give like more pop to it. And I think, of course, anything I write is going to be written that mm -hmm. way. Any movies I write, any shows I'm writing right currently, they're going to be written in that way, that same format. Um, I love For Colored Girls because... That is my idea of writing. And when I come to like big screen, mm -hmm. when I saw that, I was like, all right, it's doable. Mm -hmm. Because that was in my head. Right. Um, okay. Actually, that raises an interesting question. Well, two questions, actually. Um, one of what, who are your influences? And two of, well, I guess I'll, I'll let you cover the influences first, actually. All right, so uh, I, I used to have a, well, very recently I have a really difficult time saying who influenced me, but I, it's easier for me to say whose work I enjoy. Mm -hmm. um, all right, this person's work ethic I really enjoy. Tyler Perry's work ethic, I, I just, mm -hmm. it's, it's, it's no way for anyone to like look over that, no matter the critiques of the art. Honestly. It's, it's just like his work ethic is like ridiculous. Mm -hmm. um, and as far as, far as like, talent goes i'm really a fan of uh lee daniels okay. i'm a fan of um i forget his name but he's a he's actually frat um that that created uh directed uh moonlight mm -hmm. moonlight cinematography like the cinematography like the color schemes everything about that movie mm -hmm. was so perfect and not even just the story that i identify with but it was just like the way right. it was shot the the angles the the, the way that they involve like uh natural lighting and, and it was something it was an experience for people who yeah. are trying to get into that lot that means into that life into that talent like i never understood like after before before watching that movie i never really paid attention to you know color schemes and movies except for of course with um with belly 
you mm-hmm. were kind of forced to, you right. know. But before, even before then, you never really thought about, you know, the cinematography, uh, you know, and, and, and stories and stuff like that. But Barry Jenkins. When, yeah, Barry Jenkins, yes. Mm-hmm. I didn't uh, know this, right? That's his, crazy. That, that movie literally, you know, outside of the story, it was shot beautifully. It mm-hmm. was, the, the writing was beautiful. It was like everything tied together yeah. perfectly. So that influences me, like, I guess, perfection. Um, and that was and then, easily the best movie that came out that year. Yeah, I, I, I hope easily I do the like, same thing. And also Shonda Rhimes, of course. And Shonda Rhimes is genius. Just, <laughs> <laughs> you can't do wrong with them. Mm-hmm. And those are people I want to pitch to or at least be in front of one day. Okay, so it sounds like the goal is to start with poetry but to move into screenwriting yes. and move into TV and film. Um, and that's always been a goal or has the poetry influenced you to move into that realm? Really good question. Uh, it's never, it's never really been. I, I'm, I've known that I, 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 writing came to me naturally, like stories. I'm not gonna say mm-hmm. writing, but stories always came to me naturally. I never knew what I wanted to do with my life, like my job now. Though I love it, it's a mm-hmm. really good job. That's not. I don't feel like that's something that I ever wanted. Um, right, right. The security, yes, like I can mm-hmm. afford the security that I wanted, but it's not something I wanted to wake up to do. You know, um, when I write, when I put out this book. When I first realized that night before what I, like night before, well, Thursday, mm-hmm. before I put out the book was coming out, that's the only time in my entire life where I felt like when I woke up in the morning, I was going to fulfill something that I wanted to do in my life. Not even graduation, none of that shit. It never mattered to me. It's amazing. But that, that day, you know, on Thursday, when I woke up and realized my book was going to be actual, you know, available to people, I realized like that's what I want to do. Mm-hmm. You know, that's something I want to, you know, wake up and continue to feel. That's something I can celebrate. I don't want to celebrate college. I never really wanted, I never knew what the hell it was. Like right. something that you had to do, you know, but writing is something that I quiet. I kept quiet because someone told me that it wasn't realistic and I listened to them. And then when you, when you finally realized that you were wrong and then you try to get into it, I got into it and it's like people already knew everything. And I was like, I felt right. like I was too late to it. You mm-hmm. know, that I was like not good enough or I would never understand what really goes on on a set. Like I, I still don't, you know, mm-hmm. I'm, I want to get into it, but it, it's sort of like, it pushes like the things you really believe are really good. It pushes it to the back burner and it's like, all right, I need to learn first, mm-hmm. you know, when you should probably figure out what works best in that situation, whatever time mm-hmm. you're in. But, you know, I, I just want to write. That's it. Right. I want to write. And I don't know what that means. Mm-hmm. I just know that's what I want to do. You know, I, 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 um, I can relate to that in, in, the sense that like I won I love TV and film as well. Like I watch way too much television, but it's because I love being uh I love coming into somebody else's world or coming into a world that somebody sat and really outlined and put together. And um, you know, I also work in the education realm and a lot of the times where a lot of times when I feel like I'm doing really good work and I don't I don't really feel like I'm not doing good work or good work for the community, but at the same time, I feel like I'd be better off creating an environment that people could relate to to, so that they can turn around and do it themselves in a way that feels comfortable for themselves. So one of the, uh, one, a recent story that I read online was that uh, (laughs) Tulsa was going to start um, including the massacres into their education system, and that happened because America's huh? Ma- America's massacres. Yeah. Oh wow. Um, and they they're deciding to do that because of the show Watchmen. 
Um, it's a show on HBO. It's kind of like a comic book show. But it touches on that uh, very prominently. And I thought that was very interesting because I'm like, wow, it took all of these years. And that's not necessarily, uh, I wouldn't necessarily call it a win because, you know, it took a work of fiction. And I don't, and while I'm not downplaying the uh, importance in the importance of fiction in our society, but um, I'm not downplaying the, the role of fiction in our society, but it's just, it's incredible to me, like, that somebody's work of fiction influenced an education system to change their narrative moving forward. Um, and I guess, um, I think that's about it. Yeah. I think we all done here. Yeah. I mean, fiction is, I get what you're saying, mm-hmm. like, social politically like that shouldn't have been like an influencer but mm-hmm. I think with fiction itself like at least for me like my imagination is what really made set me apart from my cousins right. who all grew up in the same house and had the same circumstances with the mm-hmm. same schooling it was just that I was able to dream because I enjoyed the stories like similar to what you said putting yourself in someone else's you know realm yeah. where you know I feel like we didn't choose to be in this realm no no not at you all know? Uh, That's why I feel like I'm I mean, and honestly, if if I go into it even deeper, like um, what it really was was like growing up, uh, me and my sister are five years apart. So, and she's a girl, I'm a guy. Um, so the things that she was like enjoying and into at the time, like as a child, I just wasn't into. So, um, and she's already five years older than me. So that took me to like just sit in my room, play with toys, come up with stories with them. Playing, you know yeah, what I mean? Like, absolutely. and that just led to me like being that was like the inception of like me becoming a creator and like creating the narratives, creating art, creating all of these different things. And um, it's just crazy pinpointing like real life situations that influence like imagination. Yep. And that's like that'll that'll never cease to amaze me. Like you, you realize sometimes too, and I'm, I mean, I'm not sure, but you realize sometimes too that those moments where we just like. Just remember sitting there, you actually had like a real world, like right. those action figures. And it's mm-hmm. like, you really felt what you were trying to implement in them. Like, even though you couldn't put yeah. them in there, you like you had, like it worked, it made sense. Like, mm-hmm. But a lot of people don't talk about those moments because like, think about it. We were in that room for like two hours probably. Right. And we didn't really <laughs> thought about it. It, yeah. it just like, it, it was like, all right, I'm building on something. And it's mm-hmm. like, we didn't even know what we were doing. And then somehow as days went on, as like we matured, people started like quieting that creative piece in us and started making it so small where we, mm-hmm. like you couldn't believe in it. You know, there was no way you could believe in it because it embolitled it so much. And uh, I think it takes people to remember their childhood. You know, I have a poem about that, but it takes, in a book, but it takes people to remember their childhood, to remember just how simple it was to be in a relationship, right. to court someone. Uh-huh. Remember, yeah. like you didn't have text messages. You literally had to wait to go back to school. Yeah. to like, even if it's like playing footsies, that was enough mm-hmm. for you at that time. You know, it was something where it's like the very simple things of just like person, like even like, like you put, you used to push somebody. It's like, yeah. all right, that was enough for me today. You yeah. know, like, it's like, it, it makes sense. <laughs> but that's why I used to say, just like, if we remember our kid selves and our adult, and our adult lives, mm-hmm. we would do things more simpler and we wouldn't worry so much about the things that really don't matter, like the gratification of a response. Mm-hmm. Yes, we know and can do that, <laughs> but like, why does that matter? I mean, yeah. that's a deeper, I mean, it's a deeper conversation, yeah. but like, I, I just feel like, you know, when you mentioned it, um, like dreaming and imagination and, and mm-hmm. just being a kid, like it's important for us not to forget so much of it. I know scripture tells us to like, you know, to bury it, but I think our kid nah, life will tell us that. more about ourselves than our adult life because we're learning in this shit. Yeah. Our kid life has always been established. It's a very interesting take. Okay. 
Um, the book is out. Yes. The tour is about to start. Um, how about we plug everything? All right. So I'm on Instagram, Q, uh, the letter Q as in uh, quiet storm. <laughs> uh, the, the at, I mean, the underscore uh, Sadiq, S-A-D as in David, E-E-K as in King on Instagram. The book's title is Bandages as in a bandage and, and cologne. Um, just that simple on Instagram. Um, and you can find my, the website is laquanford.com. Um, on laquanford.com, you can find everything relevant to this particular book and this particular project, but also uh, my calendar is there. So you can sign up for the newsletter and just hear about anything I'm doing, any type of you know moves I'm making in my next projects and stuff like that. So, um, yeah, that's, those are my plugs. All righty. And um, this has been Versus Mike History. You can find us on Instagram at Versus Mike History. Find me on Instagram at Last Name History. And find the podcast on Twitter at Versus MH. And follow me on Twitter at Mike History. And it's been real. <laughs>